Hi, y'all. Today we are joined by Shantanu Roy. Shantanu actually goes to Purdue with me, and we are both in the sales major at Purdue together as well. Um, so it's nice to see you and talk to you, Shantanu. But he has an impressive track record already. He is highly involved in the startup space. Um, he was the president of the Anvil at Purdue at one point, and he has also built up multiple startups while also being in college. I already know this episode is going to be full of valuable advice. Um, so without any further ado, please let me introduce Shantanu Roy. How are you doing today, Shantanu? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Of course. I, I wanted to have you on just because I've seen everything that you're putting out on LinkedIn and all of the startup stuff that you're you're kind of taken off with. And I, I want to get into that today. So I guess the first question I have for you um, to start off this podcast is to just go into kind of your startup journey. Um, what kind of got you into it and what opportunities have led you to take that leap of faith and just tell me where you're at with, with those startups now and how, how have they been, how have they been going? Yeah. Um, I think kind of where it all started, I guess is kind of like it dates back to middle school where um, I started selling candy, namely Jolly Ranchers um, mm -hmm. and uh, in class. And I was just like, I was kind of bored and I was also just like, eh, might as well just try something, see see what happens. Yeah. Um, and it, it was sort of like one of those things where, um, like, my classmates were just getting tired or whatever, and, like, candy was, like, the biggest currency as per, you know, old middle school. But I was like, all right, let's see if I can figure out a way to get people to buy my product. And so I sold each Jolly Rancher for a quarter because at the time, that's, like, the the, the, the main coin that everyone had. Um, and so, yeah, I and like I bought them for like two, three cents each and I sold them for a quarter. So I'm making nice. like crazy profits. <laughs> um, and it, it like the business really took off. Like I every single week I would make like a run to Walmart, buy like a buy out the entire area of Jolly Ranchers and then I'd sell out the, by the by like Thursday. Um, nice. And then kind of from that, I. I like learned a lot about just basic business and I learned that I was pretty good at sales and just selling in general, getting people to buy something that they didn't even realize they needed until I, uh, I was there. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of as a result, I ended up making a profit of over three grand in, in middle school, just like in, nice. in like a couple of months. And so I was like, okay, this is clearly interesting enough to like explore what this, what this could be down the line. And so that's kind of how, the whole startup and entrepreneurship journey began for me. And kind of from there, I always had this goal in mind where I wanted to like immer get involved in as many startup things as possible. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I came to Purdue, I got involved with the Anvil and I was like, okay, we're in the middle of COVID. This was fall 2020. It's kind of a mess. No one's really building things. Everyone's just trying to like survive and be a student first. Um, and I was like, okay, we need to like rebuild this like building, this concept of just like, how can we get people to just start acting upon ideas? And mm -hmm. so from there, I became in charge of the anvils, just started helping rebuild a lot of the infrastructure, okay. um, saying like, okay, we need to start centering not around idea and theory, but actual execution. And so kind of from there, 
that's eventually how I met my co-founder, Thomas, and then kind of how we came about this AI space and um, building Quasi. So that's like a very broad overview of kind of my journey. Nice, man. What what was your uh, highest selling Jolly Rancher, if you don't mind me asking? Do you remember? Oh, I did this crazy thing where I kind of like how bars do tabs. I opened tabs for people where they would like deposit $40 oh. and I would give them two weeks to like burn through that money. But if but at the end of the two weeks, if they didn't burn through it, I'd keep the money. It wouldn't be refunded. So some people, right. they'd be like, they uh, yes, yeah, so I think I got like $50 from one person. They only spent or they only used up like three dollars maybe of of their tab in the two weeks. And then I got to pocket the rest. Like they never complained or anything. So nice. That's, that was probably a pretty good a good way yeah, to do it. Yeah. So I tried a lot of things. And uh, also, you know, there's the iconic mile run days. So what I would do is I would create a new product where it's just I put Jolly Ranchers in water and then I'd sell that. And I'd say, hey, you need to like, you know, get electrolytes or get some added boost to your day. Here's some, you know, flavored <laughs> water. And so, you know, I try out all these different things and just basically doing what is now called like A-B testing. I just tried out different products, see what, see what stuck. And then I, you know, do phases. And a lot of people tried copying me. They tried either selling the Jolly Ranchers at a lower price or they tried selling other products, but it, it just never hit the same as what i had so yeah that's awesome man yeah well that's great that you kind of realized that you had that entrepreneurial spirit at an earlier age and are kind of like acting upon it then and now but um i want to so what tell me a little bit about what the anvil is is that just like a club at purdue that is more like entrepreneurial driven. Tell me a little bit about what that is so I can get a better understanding of it. Yeah, I think when I became in charge of the Anvil, um, like my personal goal was to like even kind of to abstract the Anvil itself. Just one of my personal goals to like at Purdue was to help bring people together that want to just build stuff and make money off of it or like create yeah. value. Yeah. And I didn't really have a way of finding people. And so me being the person, like, I was just like, okay, if no one else is going to do it, I'm not going to sit around and hope for someone else to do it. I might as well just build it myself. And mm -hmm. so at the time, I felt that the Anvil was the best place to be to, and this was like, what, fall 2020, spring 2021, around that time. Okay. And I was like, this is the place I need to be. I need to help, like, do it through this startup organization. Um. But then what I realized is that there's a lot of um, implicit restrictions that come with being a school club and a lot of those things where doing startup stuff under the uh, under a university is not like they're kind of like they rub on each other because they like gotcha. the university has different policies. Like if we want to make an investment, that's totally not possible. Right. And so <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things where. Figuring out how to be an entrepreneur within an academic environment is like an ongoing uh, discussion. And so wow. what I ended up doing was I left the Anvil and I created my own little thing. I call it Purdue Founders now. Basically, it's just a community of college students that are building stuff together. And I host a workshop every week on Saturdays throughout the semester, just, you know, doing different, like uh, talking about different things, aspects of like a startup, um, you know, helping people build. I bring in some investors or 
um, just other people that are building their product. They're just farther along. Um, and just like really being able to offer a sort of like group therapy because being like an entrepreneur, there's a lot of risk involved and you kind of need to have other people that are going through the same things as you to really understand it and empathize. So really I've been trying to focus on building a community at Purdue specifically. That's, that's amazing, man. And I'm honestly kind of on that same journey. I'm obviously not starting anything. Like I'm not, I don't have a startup or anything, but I am trying to build the brand that I have currently. So maybe I'll have to stop by one of those workshops if, if I'm allowed, but um, yeah, for sure. I'd love love to come and talk to you and some of the people in there because it sounds like Sounds like something that I'd be interested in, but um, I'm curious, how did you, so you said you met your co-founder for Quasi um, through the Anvil. How did you guys kind of connect and create the idea of Quasi and start like being partners? Yeah, um, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, So uh, when I was in charge of the Anvil, I hosted a bunch of like networking events, meaning college parties. And, um, <laughs> just trying to bring people together. Some, some of the people, like I brought in a few like Purdue alums that like just dropped out and were like going all in on their product and things like that. Um, and through there, uh, my co-founder Thomas, he just happened to show up. Um, I didn't even know him. I just, I was just kind of like trying to meet as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And he was already working on a different startup idea that was kind of AI based, but like not really. And I was hearing this idea and he was working with like a different team and different co-founders. And I was like, I really don't like this. This is a really stupid idea. And I, and as, and also I just didn't really like the idea. Like I didn't like the idea so much that I was like, I don't really want to hang out with this guy. And so I kind of ghosted him. He was like, Hey, we should meet up and talk. But I was like, I don't know. But after a while he like, came back to me and he was like, I have this new idea. It's like completely different. I want to like run it by you. And it was essentially chat GPT, but like in October of 2021 and chat GPT came out in November, 2022. Mm-hmm. So he came to me with the idea. He's like, I want to build something called an anything expert where we use this thing called AI to essentially help you do your classwork, or it's like your own personal AI tutor. Um, and so, you know, he showed me the demo. It was really wonky. It didn't, it didn't work very well. Um, there are a lot of issues, but I was like, wait, this is actually pretty cool. What Mm -hmm. if we could something with this? And so we started tinkering with a few ideas and we kind of realized a couple of things really early on before AI really took over, which was that one AI is like really complicated and most people are not really going to get it. So you need to make an experience that's really approachable and fun and easy to understand at like a consumer level. And so how can you effectively do that? And then two, um, everyone is going to have a different use for AI, right? And so we essentially wanted to build a place where you could essentially personalize your own journey or whatever you're interested in. We can make something designed uh, like specifically for you. And so in the beginning, we built a completely different product, which was um, what we call the marketplace, where essentially we built a system where you can use the underlying tech of ChatGPT, which is GPT-3, to build whatever use case you had. So whether you wanted to like have an essay writer, you know, doing poems, um, 
some people wrote like ad copy you could essentially build that no code um and it was super easy to make stuff and so through that we had what like 3000 users making like a a crazy amount of things i used the marketplace to help build uh tools to automate my homework for for our classes so i really yeah. don't you know didn't do any work for the classes and stuff like that um from from building that first product we learned a lot about our users kind of where the ai space was going to be because again this was still pre chat gpt this was like february 2022 and we were like okay we're learning about how people are using ai there's two main areas that people are using this for one is just like people just want to have fun they don't really know what this thing is they're just going to play with it like a toy they're just going to enjoy it, but they're going to use it like four or five times and then they're gone. Mm -hmm. Then there's a second group of people that are like business facing. They're like, I need this for productivity. I'm going to use this every single day. I need to use AI to enhance and automate and all of those things. So through that, we learned, okay, since there are these two buckets of people, this is probably how it's going to be for a while. Let's try to build some business stuff because that's going to make more money. Um, so we tried building some business stuff, but then by the time we finally built the product um chat gpt came out and we were like oh okay oh that's not great everyone <laughs> is going to be building this and now it's just like okay how are you different from chat gpt i can just use chat gpt and so every single like person we talked to is just like that was the only word they use it's like i'm not interested because chat gpt exists so we we're like okay clearly the business side there's there's too much lack of um like uh like uniqueness there's just so much like you if you can just do it on chat gpt why would you pay so much more money for a different product right mm -hmm. so then we were like okay clearly this bucket is not really working for us let's let's explore this other one where people are having fun and getting entertained there's something here because that was actually like 80 percent of our usage but that doesn't that didn't make as much money because people were only staying on like four or five times so we were thinking how can we kind of explore this further and still make a very personalized experience, um, very specialized to you, but have it be fun and make you want to come back again and again. And that's where we came up with the idea for our current product, which is called Fiction, which is essentially um, like a personalized AI entertainment app. Mm -hmm. So essentially we designed it to where you can create your own uh, short stories, comic books, art, different things like that based on your interests. So, you know, when you first download the app, you tell us some things that you might like. So I like Star Wars, I might like romance, uh, horror, whatever it may be. You type a few of those things in. And then as soon as you kind of log in, you start getting an infinite feed of things that are just made for you. So like no one else has seen them in the world. Like they're being generated on the fly. It could be like a Star Wars horror short story or something romance related. But again, every single person will have a completely different experience because everyone has different interests. And so we kind of built this to be able to figure out how can you have fun and create stuff for yourself, but still, you know, be entertained and just enjoy just like the whole, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, just like a way to have fun. I feel like a lot of people forget how to have fun. And so we just wanted to build a vibey place where you can just build stuff for yourself. Yeah, that is, that's so freaking awesome. How, so 
Is quasi and fiction are they the same thing or how how are those two different? Or is yeah. The way we structure the company is like so quasi is the company name, but okay. there's a lot of like different products or projects or ideas okay. that we have. So fiction is one of the products that we have. Gotcha. Um just like the marketplace was one product. So um yeah, like we're always going to be building new things. So we just wanted to put it under an umbrella. And the reason why we chose the name quasi, because quasi or quasi means like sort of. So it's, it's sort of fiction. You know, it's sort of AI. It's sort yeah. of real. So we kind of wanted to go with that vibe. So um, that's why we came up with the name quasi. That's pretty cool, man. And so I have actually been starting to learn. I haven't been like coding or anything, but I've been starting to learn more and more about AI through my summer internship this year. And I think everyone needs to hop on the AI train or else they're going to get left behind and need to like learn how to utilize it and learn how to use it for creativity and all of this kind of stuff, because it's a very powerful tool in my opinion. So I guess my next question is, how did you, how did you and your partner code that and create that because I know you're in the sales program. Do you have like coding experience as well? Or what does that kind of look like? Um, I, yeah, so I'm not like a coder. I don't know that much about coding. Um, yeah. I, I know like the very bare bones, like I took AP comp sci. That's as much as I know for coding. Okay. Um, but yeah, my co-founder, he's also not really a coder. He's not, he's not in the CS program. He's uh, doing like uh, interdisciplinary engineering, but um, he actually got access to GPT-3 back in 2020, ba like oh, back wow. when it didn't, like, it wasn't even publicly available to use. You know, he got access then because they were beta testing it and his dad got access and different things like that. Nice. So through that, he was like, okay, this is a clearly something that's going to be really valuable. And he is like, he really figured out that like, this is going to be incredibly important. So he just started learning coding on the fly and figuring out how to best integrate AI. And so kind of from there, when we met, I have a lot of design background. So I do a lot of like user experience design, a lot of like marketing sales, very much all the non-technical things, okay. but, be, but because, um, you know, he was able to leverage the AI and I was able to understand just like human behavior. We were able to build a lot of platforms or a lot of products that felt very intuitive or that felt easy to understand. And I think that was one of the things where I feel like me not knowing the coding aspects of AI nearly as much until like I started really going off the deep end into it. Um, it really helped me build better products because mm -hmm. as like a base consumer that knows nothing about AI, I need, I still need to be able to enjoy it, find value in it, be able to like actually use it every day. And so I feel like not having that coding knowledge has been very helpful in some ways, but it's also like, oh, <laughs> I want to build stuff for myself too. So now yeah. I'm trying to help like build tools so that I can build stuff myself. That's pretty cool, man. That's the whole AI thing is so fascinating to me. And it's really cool that, that you've, dove into it head first with this startup so how did you have you been raising any money have you been talking to any vcs or anything like that 
Yeah, we're definitely um, working on raising our first funding round. Um, okay. Ongoing conversation. I think uh, one thing that we've learned is one, raising money is hard, especially in a really tough like investing environment. Um, but on top of that, I feel that it's also just like geographically, that's where, you know, being in Indiana has its, uh, you know, it starts to crack a little bit where getting investment from the Midwest doesn't like the values are so fundamentally different than getting investment from the West coast. And so it's one of those things where I feel very lucky that I have more people to talk to here that actually get it and that Mm -hmm. really believe in that vision and um, are just more bullish on a lot more like crazy ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas when, you know, when I'm on campus, when I'm talking to VCs that are, you know, an hour away from us, they it's a very different mindset and it's a way larger uphill battle um i remember pitching the marketplace or all these like we've we've had so many ideas we pitched all of these ideas to people in purdue outside of purdue and that you know it's it's one of those things where the first battle was convincing people that ai was the future this is before chat gpt yeah. Then once it's then once ChatGPT came out, everyone's like, okay, well, you're just another ChatGPT. So they're not, you know, it's thinking past that. What exactly is going to be valuable five, 10 years down the line? We're thinking about it that way. The VCs that we've been talking to in the West Coast think that way. It's just we we want to find people that match what like the way that we feel about the environment. And so mm-hmm. um, we just want to, it's just finding the right investors. I think that's really important. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned that you, um, have you, have you done any AB testing for quasi at all? Yeah, I think so. One of the really cool things about fiction is that we've built an AI on top of the AI, basically, Uh where, um, you know, when you first put your interest in the app and then we start like recommending content or generating stuff for you we're essentially doing A through Z testing um, because I'll, I'll give you an example. So for the AI short stories that are made at the end of every chapter, um, you get three options on how you want the next chapter to go. So it's a choose your own adventure. Oh. And through that, we get feedback basically where it's like, okay, you liked option one, clearly option two and three weren't as good. Now we have another data point to help personalize it even further for you. Okay. So we sort of do our own A-B testing, but in a really different way where we bake yeah. it into the the experience and we say like, you know, you can have fun with it. Like we're, we're going to personalize it to you, but you also get to like choose your own adventure and it feels very personal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one thing that like current AI is not really doing well is like the, the whole feedback element to make stuff better. Uh, it feels very like forced on top of you. Like after you get an output or a response, it's like, was this good or not? I'm like, I'm not going to respond to that. Uh, it should be built into the experience. And so um, that's, that's kind really of, cool. yeah, like A-B a- testing is one of the like hardest things to do. And instead of just doing like an in your face, like do like this one or that one, it should just be like a more fun, uh, frictionless experience. Gotcha. Frictionless. Yeah. Nice branding <laughs> right there. <laughs> Um, so what, what, um, are some essential skills that you think people who want to get into startups or entrepreneurship just in general 
should be developing to try and break into this space? I think this is a skill that I'm still uh, learning and honestly like struggling with a little bit, which is just like having action and like actually doing and uh, like doing things. Um, mm -hmm. It's, I, I think that's just the difference between people that are going to be like an entrepreneur and like, you know, a, you know, a unicorn founder versus, you know, a small business owner or, you know, just a side hustle kind of person. It's how much action, how much risk are you willing to take? Um, are you willing to kind of push past all of that? Um, and, you know, as I said, like I struggle with it sometimes, even just like, I love this space, but sometimes it can get overwhelming and it's like, oh, right. there's so many other people that are getting funded and I'm not getting funded or it's like the other people are doing really cool things. Why didn't I think of that idea? And it can, can be really daunting and make you not want to do anything, mm -hmm. but kind of pushing past that. And it's, it, 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 I think those are like having action being like just pro risk, like being okay with that. And like, there's a lot of fear involved, but pushing past it. And then I think the last thing is surrounding yourself with just like crazy people that really are just out there. Yeah. Like my friend group that I developed here um, are some of the like most like wild out of the box thinkers that I've ever met. I don't like, I've never been so um, blessed to be the dumbest person in the room. Like I've never been so happy to be like, wow, I just need to be like a sponge, understand yeah, all okay. these things. And um just finding the right group of people is really important. And that's kind of what I've been trying to help cultivate with like the community at Purdue is finding those crazy people, putting them into one room and just seeing the magic happen. Mm -hmm. Um and you know, I do that through the community. I do that through how we hire. We we have a very weird hiring process. It's just like one interview and then it's like you're in or you're not. Um, okay. We keep it pretty simple. Um, yeah. How it's many, just how many employees we, we just, do you have? We have, um, we have three people on the team besides me and Thomas. Um, yeah. And they're like some of the most talented people. They're actually incoming sophomores. So they're going to be sophomores. Are they um, Purdue? Yep. They're all at Purdue. Um, and uh, like when we hired them, they knew essentially nothing about coding either. Um, but we just kind of, we really just like we interview based on vibes. Like if we think you're going to be a cool person or going to be creative or like kind of crazy in like a good way, like we'll, we'll put that, that like, we'll take that risk. We're essentially investing in our team to build mm -hmm. something really cool. And so um, it's, it's really panned out. We like truly, I've never been so blessed to have such um, an amazing team. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta surround yourself with the right people. I mean, like I, that's what I try and do. I mean, I've been, um, very fortunate to have done the internship I did this past summer and also, um, be surrounded and connected with people that have been helping me like such as you with this brand and the podcast and my blog and my website and everything. So, I completely agree there. Um, but how have you been able to, I guess, manage your time at school? Because you're obvious, are you, are you doing, are you working on your startup at school as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. How do you, how do you manage that time? 
Um, so this is not a Purdue approved message and I will not say that Purdue endorses this, but I've just automated all my classes. Um, Fair enough. If any Purdue professor sees this, I apologize. But um, I like, you know, with the marketplace, I started doing that. And now this semester, I'm basically going to be entirely like I have an AI set up so that it'll do all my work for me. So it's one of those things where I just the value from going to classes is just I show up and I get to turn off my brain. Like I get to relax because when I'm outside of class, I am in like full grind mode. Like I need to build a product, talk to people and that like the startup is 90% of my time. And then, you know, hanging out with friends and kind of detoxing socially is like 5%. And then the re- of the remaining, like of that 5% that's remaining, 3% is personal time. 2% is maybe schoolwork. And yeah. so I really just dedicate all of my time focus all of my energy on the startup itself and then figure out ways to automate and use classes as my detox, which is kind of the opposite for a lot of people where they're the most stressed out about their classes and then they leave class to detox. I'm the, the complete opposite. It, it's just, it works better. Gotcha. Well, I guess one last question that I have for you before we end this podcast is where do you see or where do you want to see yourself in the next five years with quasi or any entrepreneurial thing that, that you're aspiring for? There's, well, I think being in the AI space, especially in the, the creative and entertainment AI space, it, it's going to be a crazy budding area and not a lot of people are working on it right now. And so I want to just keep building and figuring out new ways to make like just for my just to make myself have fun like I want to consume content that I actually enjoy and that feels like it's made for me um and so if I can continue to help building those experiences um I want to stay on that trajectory and also I'm just like a natural just like talk I love to talk or just meet other people and just hear other people's stories so continuing just to like build communities um continues just like that upkeep I think just constantly surrounding myself with new people and working in the entertainment AI space. Those are the two things I'm really looking forward to for the next decade. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad that that you kind of know where you want to go and that you found your space and that you have been absolutely grinding in. That's, that's crazy. And, um, um, I wish you the best of luck with everything that you do. Obviously, if you need anything or any help from me, I'm here and you can always reach out to me, but it's been really cool listening to your story and kind of how you started with the Jolly Ranchers. I just noticed you had your Jolly Rancher pillow in the back. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But it's, it's, it's been really cool to see you, um, I guess, or learn from you that you can go from here to here and all, all you need to do is just take action and put in the work because that is what separates the winners from the losers is how much work you're going to put in. How much discipline do you have? Are you consistent? And um, it was, it was really, it was really great talking to you today, Sean Tanu and really cool. Just listening to all your stories and just everything we talked about with quasi and AI. I thought we had a great discussion, but to the listeners, I hope you all got something out of this episode So please save and subscribe if you enjoyed it. It's up to you.
Um, I hope you all have a great rest of your week. And remember to win the day. Shantanu, thank you again. Ciao. Thank you.